0: Log Talk Radio.
1: All right, all right, all right. Good morning, wherever you guys may be. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Locker Talk on the best of news radio network where you guys can hear about NFL content anytime, anytime you want to on this fantastic network where you are hearing about NFL stars of tomorrow today. I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of locker And you guys can always follow me on any one of my social handles, whether it is on Twitter, at Locker underscore report on Instagram, Lock Report One Hundred, all small cats, on Facebook, LockReport and also check out the Locker Talk Podcast that's on Facebook. But make sure you guys subscribe. Subscribe today on YouTube at the Locker Talk Podcast where you can hear this show. Check this show out far as video wise. So you can see this good looking face talking about football and a whole bunch of other stuff. Well actually just football. I really don't talk about nothing else other than football. Mainly Guys that came through the NFL regional combine process and also players that's coming through the ACCU using the ranks of NFL football operations. But most importantly, always go to the Bachelor Network dot com where you can hear this show at your leisure twenty four hours, twenty four seven, twenty four hours a day. Make sure you guys go and tune in and catch up on all the shows dealing with Locker Talk on that site. Now First of all, I just want to let everybody know that I miss you guys and some things that was going on in my life, you know, that I had had to take had to take a step back and all that good stuff. But I appreciate y'all guys' patience. It feels good to talk to you guys again. You know, a lot of stuff to get to. You know, thanks for all the prayers and everything. Everything was always felt. So I definitely, definitely really appreciate um, um, being with you guys and talking to you guys. And in my absence, thanks a lot, Elaine, for um, having my back. I very, really appreciate you for all that you do for all of us who's associated with the Bachelor News Radio Network.com. So I really appreciate you and thank you very, very much. Now, to pick up where we left off at, now knowing that the whole purpose of Locker Talk is to shine light, put light on players that you guys never heard of, preparing for the current year, the upcoming year of the NFL season, Using the vehicle of the NFL Regional Combine platform, you know, talking about guys that you're not familiar with, <clears throat> but but of late for the last couple of years, uh, because the operations is getting more into the um, HBCU uh, platform um, due to COVID-19, we was not we were not able to have the workouts last year, and as far as to be on the safe side, operations did not have the combine this year, but next year. It's on. It's on. I can't wait. We're going to finally have the NFL football operations, the NFL-sanctioned HBCU combine, where we know for a fact that through this vacuum that NFL scouts, all 32 teams, will be represented at these workouts, and also knowing that the players that will be there will be credible players where they can actually – be seen by all the teams in the NFL and have a good chance to at least get the next step, being invited to, um, to a camp uh, for a workout or possibly get on someone's draft board to be drafted or signed as a, a drafted free agent. So this is going to be a legitimate one that's going to be involved intensely with the NFL. Um, but um, before we get into the regional combine players, which we will, we will talk about in the coming weeks, I would like to deal with something else, and it's talking about the ACCU platform. Now, the ACCU platform, the question is, people always ask, you know, hey, you know, do they have talent that's there? You know, do they really have credible NFL talent um, at the ACCU schools, at the platform? And the answer is yes. However, the big question is: Is the HBCU platform are they ready for the NFL? The NFL is here. The NFL is ready to go. You know, one thing about talent, I like to say, talent is an equal opportunity um, investment, basically. And the reason why I say that, you know, far as the way how talent is looked at, you know, far as being equal opportunity. That if you have the talent, or I would say, it's you know um, talent is an equal opportunity provider. Uh, Talent don't look at the skin color, doesn't look at the physical stature, don't even look at the background of a player. Talent only cares about performance. So with that being said, is the talent there? Will talent be found at the ACC? Um, platform. Yes, it can be. However, because of what's not there, a lot of times you're gonna find the opportunity for talent to be looked at is going to look somewhere else. Because simply um, simply put, there's a lot of things that the H B C U community on a platform that's not doing right. And if you are looking at on the from the outside looking in now when you when I when I broke down all the the um the, the rosters this year, and going back to June the 1st was when I had looked, and nothing changed since this week when I looked at it. Going, dating back to June the 1st of this year, only 38 players, 38 players are currently in NFL camps where there's over 1,700 players altogether in the NFL right now. Only 38 of those players are from HBCU. And when we look at, at that number from the outside looking in, it's really easy to come out and start pointing fingers at the NFL, that the NFL is not doing their job. The scouts not trying to look at everybody. scouts are going to drop the ball. scouts don't want to look at these players at HBCU. The scouts this NFL that, blah, blah, blah. On the outside, that's what it looks like, that the NFL do not care about the HBCU platform, which is the furthest thing from the truth. And I know that personally. I'm having conversations with executives within football operations, how they want to make sure not just HBCU, but all levels of college football where they actually have credible talent to get looked at to be able to have the opportunity to play in the NFL. So it's out there. They're looking for talent everywhere. However, the NFL will not waste their time if the other parties are not doing all they can to be to be good enough and put their program, or better yet, their players in position to succeed and also to be able to put in a position where they can actually be viable pieces in the NFL. And we want to talk about that. Now, when we look at going on with the HBCU platform, and then after having, you know, this is something that I've done, surveying parents, you know, talking to certain talent scouts that's closely involved with HBCU um, programs. And it basically comes out to say, honestly, and I know you probably have a whole bunch of HBCU athletes, staff, members probably listen to the show or is very familiar with the Bachelor News Radio Network, is that the HBCU may not be serious enough to get their players looked at, to get, into the NFL. Now, I don't think they really take this thing seriously to help their players get to the next level. This is my opinion that I do not believe that they that they are serious about it. And the reason why I look at it and say that they don't, they're don't they not serious about it is one of the things that, you know, for the lack of the funding that they have there, and we're going to dive right into that. Administration support. We look at their training facilities. Even when it comes down to the nutritional meals, everything down to that contributes to the decline number of HBCU athletes in the NFL. They basically are not beefing up their exposure to make NFL teams come and see them. And when we look at this whole picture, this whole scope with the HBCU, which is, yes, a travesty, not solely on the NFL, but on the HBCU community altogether. The reason why this is so bad is that 10% of the Hall of Fame, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame athletes, are made up of, made up from HBCU players, you know, with Anita Williams, Jerry Rice, Michael Strahan, the list goes on and on, you know, with the really Linares of the world. Solid players from HBCU platform, 10% of the Pro Football Hall of Fame is made up of HBCU players, which is something that was phenomenal, but at the same time, the big question is, you know, can this number increase? Will this number increase? Folks, if HBCU level do not do what they're supposed to do for their players, it will not, sadly. You know, our next one that probably would make it into the Hall of Fame, you know, um, next two that's on track, in doing that is Armstead uh, for the offensive lineman for the Newland Saints and Darius Leonard, linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts. These two players are trending to having gold jackets. After that, we don't know who may be in that range to make it in the Hall of Fame. You listen to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network where you hear about NFL stars tomorrow today. Now, some of the things to like really get into, the reason why I Say, well the reason why I'm saying what I'm what I'm saying about the ACCU, saying how they need to be held accountable for their lack of a lot of things, and one of the things to jump into is let's let's look at the history. Let's look at the the whole reasoning re, uh, reasoning for ACCU existing, and it go and and it goes you know way back, way way back before any one of us was born, into the late 1800s, into the early 1900s, and it made sense. You know, ACCU wanted to um, community those that the power that may be want to put t- put together universities and, and colleges where they can show white America that, hey, African Americans can compete on a professional level, can be doctors, can be lawyers, can be engineers, can be anything that you guys can do. But since integration was in place, they were not allowed to go to these white schools, so they built their, so they, they founded their own universities and which hey, um, came together as HBCUs to show that black Americans can do the same thing as white Americans. And so over time, that was something that was instituted. And then we see today how we have some elite um, HBCU schools like the Morehouses of the world, the Howard Universities, Grambling, all these guys, elite where you know for sure that if you go to any one of these schools, HBCU schools that is recognized as an elite school that can compete with some some elite schools in this country. So that's fantastic. They did that thing there. But as the NFL came about in the early 2020s, early uh, I mean my thought early 1920s, 1930s. We saw the NFL was taking off, you know, using some players all on white coming to college, some had to wait until they did um, service, um, had to um, go through service to the war, they came back and try to get into the NFL and play. And so during the, the existing, yes, it was a hot sport, but it was actually falling into decline, and we all know during that time, baseball was the main sport in the United States. But with football, it was on a decline. So what the NFL did was, okay, let's look at these HBCU schools. Now, the HBCU schools, of course, African-American players better athletes, anything you need for size, speed, um, intelligence, everything that you needed to make football great. They recognized the HBCU platform was going to be the way to go to help save their league. And so that's when segregation um, ended, and that's when we – um, that's, um uh, that's when blacks was allowed to go and attend white schools. And then from that point on, Blacks going to white schools. They had the facilities. They had the, um, the the rooms. They had the practice rooms. They had the stadiums. They had everything that a player needed to evolve and become better athletes. HBCU, their whole prefaces was for academia. They really wasn't focused on the sports. They wanted to prove in another area that education was more important than anything, and rightfully in a lot of cases, I can see why HBCUs says, listen, when it comes down to black men, black women, we're more than just people that can control the ball, throw the ball, shoot the ball, run. We're more than that physically. We can do a lot of things with our mind, and I respect that from them. However, when we're talking about in terms of football, trying to get into the NFL this is where the crossroad kicks in and where the HBCU schools are not going to bend because it will go against what their whole purpose of being institutionalized is for. Listen a lot of talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're going to take a quick pause. We're going to come right back, get right into this heavily as we're talking about the HBCUs and their lack of everything involved in doing their part in getting players into the NFL using a lot of talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
0: Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
1: Right, welcome back to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network where you hear about NFL stars tomorrow. Today, I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of locker And guys, make sure you follow. Stay with this broadcast right after this show, following Locker Talk. Make sure you guys stay with a dose of the dime show with our host, Yamin um, um, Nix. Make sure you follow her. Make sure you listen to the show. She's doing all kinds of great stuff as she deals with love, life, and dramas from, from DJ Dom's perspective, So make sure you guys tune in. Stay locked in. The Bachelor News Radio Network.com, following Locker Talk, A Dose of the Dom Show with Yanni Nix. So make sure you guys stay wrapped up and stay tuned. Now, still talking about the HBCU, and we talked about talked about the history and how the HBCU platform came about, and their whole purpose was focusing on academia and not necessarily focusing on of athletics during the 60s and 70s since the black players were not able to play in the white schools when the nfl came to accu schools that's where they found their talent pool but when all of a sudden everything lifted in the in the, the country had changed and rightfully so all uh, the, the black players the real good black players start going to the white schools because they had everything they need to help advance them to get them prepared to the next level the only thing that did not adjust is the HBCU when it comes down in terms of sports. They put they put money into everything else, like the band or whatever their school niche is, whether if it's engineering, whether it's medical, uh, where it's pharmacy, whatever that niche for that HBCU, they put money into that to prove a point that black folks are more than just people that can play with a ball. And I respect that aspect, but to put all the emphasis on the NFL and say that the NFL is not doing their part in recognizing the talent that's coming from the HBCU, that's where they're wrong at. And today it's a spread of light and put the onus back on the HBCU for they need to be held accountable for their part, which is the larger part. And so we broke down the history, you know, why HBCU are not Household names. You know, Morgan State University could have been a household name. You know, Elizabeth City could have been one of those schools. Southern, you know, even Howard. Bramley made a niche for themselves, but these guys would be powerhouse schools that the NFL have come to. However, because of integration, now we have Bama, your Ohio State, your Floridas, your Maryland, your, your Michigans of the world. They are now household names instead of the ACCU schools where actually where the talented players, talented pool for the NFL, the early NFL had went to, now our five-star athletes are going to other schools, and these five-star athletes are not even thinking about HBCU programs, which I don't blame them for, and I'll tell you why. Now, the current situation, the question I had had um, posed, you know, is the HBCU, are they ready for the NFL? Not the players, but are they doing what they're supposed to do? One of the things that we look at for far like I said, with the funding. Now, if you – now, if there's an HBCU school that is funded through the state, they funded through the state, they will get money, money, funding from the state because they have that state attached to their name. So they will receive money from the state. How much they would get, depending on what school it is, it varies. But with HBCU, they're not taking their money. And putting all of it or majority of it into their football program, and there's other sports, but we just dealing with football. They're not putting nothing into the football program, not of significance. So that's something they were receiving. Then we have an alumni. We have a lot of alumni that you know is very vocal about this situation. Why these guys not getting to the NFL? You know, while the NFL not looking at these HBCU schools? Why they not looking at these talent players there are there? You know, so they put their name, they put their two cents in it. But the only problem is, are they putting their money into back into these schools to help support their program? They're they're there to give lectures and conversations and, you know, talk, but they need to put their money, especially ones that are well to do, they need to put their money where their mouth is to show that, hey, don't forget about Norfolk State over here. You know, I'ma put up a half a million dollars to this football program to show that we can build towards something great. Put your money into that because that's what at the white schools, the white alumni that go to these schools, even some of the black guys, young guys, people that go to these big power schools, they put their money into their schools and they proud of their school and want to make sure that they fund certain things. You have them put money into their sports programs. We don't see a lot of that in HBCU. You just see a whole bunch of black folks talking, yapping, yapping, and that's what black folks do more, than, more so than anything. They yapping, 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 but don't really put no action. Don't put their money where their mouth is. Yes, I'm talking about us. So don't get offended if you do. That's on you, but that is true. That's something that needs to be done as well. When we look at Morgan State, now I live in Baltimore. And I'm familiar with Morgan State. i tell you how bad and it's across the board their facilities. When you're in that go-to their workout room, now I have a nice size house. Their workout room is about the average of the dining room and living room put together. Their workout room is tiny, very small. It's been like this for well over 20 years. I have not seen an improvement, I have not seen no walls being knocked down. They're building nice buildings around the campus but I don't really see nothing going on for us in their football program. And they're not the only ones. We have a lot of HBCU schools that's not putting money into their, their facilities and their workout rooms because they're small. It, 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 the players are on top of each other, can't even breathe. Another thing that's very disappointing, from talking to a parent who actually had a son that played at Morgan a few years ago, conversation with her, what frustrated her was that when she had to get home, from work quickly, so she can prepare food for her son because Morgan's cafeteria will close at five o'clock. When she said this, the first thing that came to my mind was that these schools are not properly uh, feeding these players. They want these players to be held to the same standard as non-athletic students that go to the school, but yet they want them to be and want them to be good on the field and compete on the field. These guys are not being properly nourished to be able to compete on a high level. And for HBCUs, they look to garner money from having invites to play against big power, um, powerhouse schools at the beginning of the season. College football don't have an exhibition season, but they use a piece of that exhibition season to play small schools, for the big schools, to play small schools, to get into a rhythm, to get themselves rolling, to get themselves in shape. So when it's time for them to play their conference, they're ready to rock and roll. So they will use small schools and HBCU schools to run all over, and the money that they will be given, they will take their take their money and rightfully so, it's good. And it's like in the upper six hundred thousand on average. When they receive that money, they don't put everything back into the football program. They don't. They do not. And then they get to the point where. You do not want NFL scouts to evaluate HBCU talents only when they play in these big matchup games just to see who's going to stand out. Now, speaking of scouts, now, earlier I had said that I do not blame our five-star, our four-star, big-time college football players coming out of high school. I do not blame them for wanting to go to a power um, power conference. Do not blame them because of the simple fact that – all the stuff that I had mentioned, but at the same time, their chances of being looked at is uh, far better than going to an HBCU school. And I'm gonna tell you why. When you're talking about the scouts now, area scouts, every NFL team has area scouts. You know, I, I would say on average they probably have about eight to ten area scouts. And area scouts, you know, uh, where they are, area scouts, they will – each scout will have a certain territory – from an area where they would actually beat the pavement, drive to certain schools to be able to look at certain talents that they have there. Now, if I was an area scout, knowing everything that I know about an HBCU school or even a, a small school, knowing they're not doing everything they can to put into their programs, to advance the programs and to advance the players, I'm not, I'm not, I will not go to that school because when I have to go to my scouting director And when we had to come together, come together at the table, and we put down names of players of talents that we're evaluating. And if I keep going to these small schools, going to these HBCU schools, knowing they're not doing all they're supposed to do, and it's really hard to decipher who's good and who's not, I'm gonna lose my job. And these scouts do not want to lose their job. That's why scouts will go with the majority. Go to the biggest schools and hop on a board who's the highest or biggest name because there's security with the majority. And you're not going to have too many scouts, especially area scouts, that's going to stick their neck out for a program or for a player knowing that that player is not good enough to at least get in front of the, of the scouts around the league to determine are they NFL-worthy players. They'll look at them. They can tell them. Most of the small schools, including HBCU schools, they don't even know the, the workouts. And this is something I know for a fact because when we go to the Regional Combine, when we had small school guys come and HBCU guys that came through trying to get to the NFL, do the NFL Regional Combine, they were not familiar with the workouts, the drills that the scouts will be looking at so they can help determine their mechanics to see if they're at least good enough to be drafted or to be brought into camp. They don't know it. And that's the sad part. It's 2021, and most of these players still do not have it, and that falls flat on the HBCU. When you try to look out or try to communicate with the schools to get information on a certain player because you want to get that tape, you want to evaluate him, you want to talk to him, nine times out of ten, they will not have that young man's information. I know that for a fact because I called schools trying to get information on some player. You try to reach out to the coaches. The coaches don't act like they don't want to respond or they don't have that player's information. You call another school, uh, even a white school or even another smaller school that's trying to do the right thing. You call them. You want their information. Bam, they give it to you. Ask what you want there. Want want I want their Twitter handle. want their email or their phone number. They will have it. HBCU schools, they do not have that collectively. I know that for a fact. Instead of pointing a finger. At the NFL, saying the NFL not doing this and not doing that, and that's some things the NFL can do. This is one of the reasons why they have this ACCU Combine because the front office recognized that the scouts they have to do a little better, have to do a better job in trying to get the ACCU small schools an opportunity to get in front of scouts. So, with the HBCU Combine for the powers that that um, that for the brain trust with football operations. As they do their research, they will send out invitations to certain players to invite them to the ACCU Combine where at least under the umbrella of the NFL that the scouts, all 32 teams, will be represented and will give them a chance to say, hey, at at, at this workout, at the NFL sanctioned ACCU Combine, all 32 teams will be there. We want you to come and work out for us. That's a good indicator for the 32 teams to recognize and respect what operations is putting together, saying, okay, they're not going to waste our time. They're actually going to put some players, some real-time players in front of us to look at to evaluate for the upcoming year. These are some of the things that the ACCU schools have to do, holding them accountable, putting their feet to the fire, and stop pointing the finger at the NFL, blaming the NFL for only having 38 players in the league you listen to the locker talk on the bachelor news radio network uh, where you hear about nfl stars of tomorrow today i'm your host barry Bonds, founder and ceo of lockerdashport.com and make sure you guys tune in next week when we talk more about evaluating you never know who i'm gonna have on and what i'm going to talk about Follow me on any one of my social handles on Twitter at Locker underscore report on Instagram, lockreport Report 100, all small cats on Facebook, LockReport.com. And also check out Locker Talk Podcast on Facebook. And make sure you guys subscribe on YouTube at Locker Talk Podcast. And make sure you guys follow. Anytime, go to the com where you can listen to the show as your leader, 24 hours, seven a day. Make sure to show. A of a time show. Everyone stay blessed.
0: Mommies and poppies. this is Yanni, your DJ and dance junkie with today's dose of dime. I am on and thankful for the Badger News Radio Network, and I am ready to give it to you as you like it. Oh, that was gross. Anyway, <laughs> so listen, you can call us at 646-929-0130 if you have questions, comments, concerns. Or any other girls that you want to throw out there. Also, the message boards are open, and you can send post any message. And if I see it, I will address it on the on the line. Speaking of which, this whole show is based on some comments that I received from the peanut gallery. Yay! Okay, so I'm happy about that. And also, if you want to get your comments heard, or if you want to get, you know. If you want to get directly to me, you can go to the Facebook group. Um, it is a public group, a Dose of Dime on Facebook. Again, it's a public group. You just joined, and we're just jumping into jumping into the conversation about relationships, about children, about um, red flags, about dating, and we're all giving our two senses. It's a multi-faceted group. We have different, you know, levels of commitment, marriage, polygamy. Um, gay and Lesbian um, LGBTQ+, plus. I mean all of us Is involved in this Facebook group And we all just kind of come together and talk And it's always respectful uh, People who are ugly get banned So I hope you come join us there So as I was saying This whole show today is based on comments Which I am so happy to hear Basically I was told That my show focuses mostly on women And okay I'll give you that, guilty, because I am a woman, and the majority of my clients are women. So I tend to kind to of lean towards women's issues, but it is an unfair thing because I have men that listen to me too. Now, they also listen to me to kind of say, yeah, well, what about this? <laughs> and that's fine too. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about red flags in women. Again, red flags, the men's edition. Women, you are not going to like some of the things that I say, and unfortunately, it is what it is. Just like men did not like what I said last week and a week before that, some of these things are what they are. And if you see some of these things within yourself, maybe it's time to sit back and, you know, do some reflection. Think about what causes this behavior within yourself and maybe think, you know, make some steps towards change. Um, and if you need ever need help with that, you know, you can hit me at com, or you can hit me on any of my social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I'm even on Pinterest, Pinterest, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. You can always hit me on one of those social media keywords, DJ Dime, and I'll be happy to answer any questions, of course, okay? So <laughs> I did go do research and formal um outlets as far as articles and, you know, men's health and uh real men, real style, I did do my research, but I wanted to see what my local guy said. So I live in Oklahoma, and I posted a Facebook post and said, men only, what are red flags for women? And when I tell you the shenanigans that followed, the shenanigans that followed were ridiculous. We were laughing for days. Some of it hurt. Don't get us wrong. Some of it hurt. Some of it was a little uncomfortable, but most of it was, was funny, and you should go check it out. We have a light, a light version on the um, a Dose of the Dime uh, Facebook group, but the main shenanigans is on my Facebook page, which is ridiculous, But and we'll go into that, okay? But what I wanted to make sure that I got clear, guys, dear guys, my guys, I love you. We cannot exist without you. You guys have got to understand that there's a difference between what you like and red flags. And I talked about this on a a couple of shows ago where we talked about non-negotiables, preferences, and red flags. So what's the difference? Okay, so non-negotiables are the things that you have to have in place. You have to have in place. And for for me, again, it's must-have car, must-have a job, must-have their own place to stay. Um, and at one point it, was, it had to deal with kids, but now that I'm older, it's not that big of a deal. Um, so you must have these three things in place in order for me to even consider a conversation with you because it's the same things I have in place. So I felt like it was fair for me to ask for that. So for men, you have to have these things that you want in place to even have a conversation with the sister. Now, of course, granted that some of the sisters have had a bad, a rough time in life, and you can decide whether or not you want to lower your standards or expectations based on who it is that you want. But we know for sure that women do the non-negotiables first and preferences second Men are going to do the preferences first and the non-negotiable second. So what are preferences? That's what you like. Like if you only like, and we're going to say this, and we're going to be respectful of everybody in the group. If you only like dark-skinned women with big booties, that's what you like. If you only like light-skinned girls with long hands, that's what you like. If you prefer to date outside of your race, that's what you like. Those are preferences, and that's okay now when I get what i what I tend to tell people is when you you get to a point where you're like, "I'll never date a black woman. Nobody needs to hear that if that's a preference, that's on you, but you don't have to broadcast that to the world. That's when it becomes a problem. It's not necessarily a a preference because this is what you like it's a preference because you want to shame or downtrod someone else. If you like something out, if you don't like sick girls. And don't date a sick girl, but then don't go on to badmouth the sick girls that you know or, or the sick girls online, because I got to tell you, for what you don't like, somebody else does. I am a sick girl, and I, I I don't have a lack of people in my inbox. They all get turned down, but nonetheless, <laughs> you want to be clear that if you have a preference, don't use that preference to beat someone else down. That's not okay. So move it on. So Liz said The difference between the non-negotiables and preferences and the red flags are huge. So here's what I got. Again, women, please do not come for the men. Do not come for the men on my page. Do I come for the men on my post? Let's just be just just listen to this, okay? So I had to sort through their red flags from their preferences. So the majority of the preferences had to do with presentation, how you present yourself. So a lot, a large majority of the men said bonnets and PJs in public, that's a no-no. They said flip-flops, <laughs> flip-flops, like, oh, maybe flip-flops. I don't wear them, but oh, maybe flip-flops. They said a no. They said a hard no to the flip-flops. I don't know why. This is what I got. Loud, cursing too much, that's a No. Heavy on alcohol and drug usage, that's a no. Too hooked on trends. That's an interesting one, because a lot of us, you know, we tend to follow, you know, TikTok or Instagram, and we like some of the things that they put out there, but not everything is for everybody. And some of us are trying trends that might make us look a little foolish. Let's not do that. Okay, so definitely you want to be able to (laughs) – Stay true to yourself, but still follow trends and have some fun. Just don't be too hooked into them. Another one was hygiene, and a lot of them were like, ooh, she smells. And, of course, I mean, that's that's that's, that's 100%. It also is a preference, of course, but it definitely is a red flag. If your hygiene is not up to par and when you walk, it smells like, you know, whatever it is it smells like an open fish market in D.C., then, yeah, you might want to, you know, go get that check, sis. So another one, and which was the huge one, which spurred, like, a whole lot of conversation and content, was wearing wigs. I have a lot of sisters who wear wigs, but they wear them as a protective hairstyle, I know sisters that have very long, pretty hair, but they choose to wear a wig, one, because it's easier, and then two, because they're able to, you know, uh, flow in and out of these styles very quickly, and you can change it up. So I totally understand the the easiness, the convenience of wearing a wig. But then again, I go back to I know also when people wear weaves or wear wigs that it is also a lot of work and maintenance. So the guys that were saying, oh, it's just too easy and it means that they're lazy, I, I don't, I do not think so. Because when I say that some of these girls, they prep their wigs, wash their wigs, they they have to braid their hair. I mean, it's a whole lot of work to get those things on, they glue, they do the baby. Oh my goodness. I watched the whole uh, um, YouTube on how to prepare just so I can have some context. Oh no, it's not lazy. Not at all. I mean, some guys may not like it and I understand that, but that doesn't make them lazy. Okay. But nonetheless, this is some of the things that were said. Now in my circle, my, my innermost circle of friends, majority of them are natural. Um, and that was also, I mean, a majority of the guys were saying they liked the natural hair, but some guys did not. And, of course, like I said, like, this is a preference because for everyone who does not like a wig, there's another guy that does not like natural. So that's a preference. That is not a red flag. I, I don't know what that red flag would be for. So let me break down the number ones. So there were, I, I, I selected the three most talked about um, what they considered red flags, and these are red flags for sure. And I wanted to break them down so that we understood exactly what it was that the brothers were talking about. So number three, I'm going to go from three to one. Number three, having low self-esteem, having low self-confidence, degrading yourself, making you feel like um, someone feeling like they don't deserve to be in a relationship you know, bad talking themselves. That was the number three most stated. If she has self-esteem issues, this is a problem. So think on that. We got to get ourselves together, sisters. If our guys are reaching out to us and they say that they love us, let's take that step and believe them. I I think that it's a good thing. All right? So number two, trust issues. Yeah, and and understandably so. If a guy is a genuine good guy, if he is a genuine good guy, he really is trying to, you know, seek a relationship with you, of course you want to give them time to prove themselves. That's, that's the thing. You should give them time to prove themselves, but what you should not do is make your next one. Pay for your ex. Do not make the next pay for your ex your ex did you dirty you need to take some time and you need to reflect on you know what it is that you can learn from that situation and move forward but trust issues you know putting your guy through um going through phones and jumping to accusations and um you know being thinking that they're always doing something that is going to work a guy, one of my favorite aunts, her name was Aunt Angel. she really wasn't my aunt she um she was my uncle's wife, but That that was one of the reasons why they had to divorce was because she was always accusing him of cheating, and he had never cheated, never cheated. But she was going through phones, jumping out of windows, messing up business occasions because she thought he was cheating. Trust issues can ruin a relationship. And if you have huge trust issues, it might be time to sit and, and work on yourself to one, get yourself to a space where you can identify who you can trust and who you can't. That part is the real. All right. So number one, having an attitude. Oh my goodness. The guys were all over this one. I, I mean, it was like at least seven guys that said, hey, having an attitude is a huge, complete turn off and it's a not it is, its not a non-negotiable. That's a red flag. If you always have an attitude, if you're always feeling like somebody's doing you dirty, you're going to always feel that way, if that makes sense, okay? So you want to take the time, again, to reflect within yourself and make sure that you are working at your best to this brother, making sure that you have – fulfilled all your needs make sure that you're in a positive space before you come to this brother okay all right so that is an important thing top three trust you okay so self-esteem trust issues and having an attitude so those were the top three things that the guy said so we're going to take a quick break on the bachelor's radio network and i hope you stay tuned again on the bachelor news radio network
1: if you're an african-american man You need to know about oral cancer. Oral cancer is more common in African-American men than in any other group in the U.S. If you have a sore or lump in your mouth that doesn't go away after two weeks, see a doctor or a dentist. Most often, these symptoms don't mean cancer, but it's important to get them checked. If you do have oral cancer, it can be treated more successfully if it's caught early. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health.
0: Yo, I didn't know that. Wow, that's crazy. I'm I, sorry. I do listen to these ads. That is crazy. I did not know that. Okay, so welcome back to A Dose of the Dime on the <laughs> Passion News Radio Network. I am your host, Yanni Knox, the DJ Dime. So, hola, mommies and poppies. This is A Dose of the Dime. We wanted to go ahead and go back into The red flag for men, if you are ready. Okay. So I have included, again, the guys who comments from my Facebook post, and I've also included research that I've uh, kind of uh, wrapped up. So we're going to try and punch this out in 15 minutes. So I hope you guys stay with me. So we're going to start with number one. She criticizes you. All right, guys. So listen, a criticize is not complaining complaining is one thing like if you were late and she said man I I really it it really hurts my feelings when you're not when you're not on time and we don't get to these places on time that's a complaint that's not a criticize a criticize is, man you always you're always late you never care you don't you don't care about me you're just lazy you're you know all of these things when she tells you what you are that's criticizing your person, your inner person. And so those are the people that you want to stay away from. I I used to always tell my parents, don't ever tell your children that they that, you know, they are a liar. They may have told a lie that doesn't make them a liar. This is a it's a subtle but very different feeling to be told that you did something wrong versus your innermost person, this is all they do. So definitely you want to stay away from and stay clear from women who criticize you. All right. She's on the phone with you all the time, or she requires that you be on the phone with her all the time, or she requests text messages all the time. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of guilty of this one at one point. It's called love bombing. Okay. Random texts are fine. That's not a big deal, but when she's, like, texting you and she gets mad when you don't text immediately back, even though she knows you may be at work, even though she know you may, you know, be at church or wherever it is that you're doing within your, you know, schedule, that's, that's a red flag, bro. You want to you kind of look at that, step back from that and look. Now, remember, red flags only indicate that something may be wrong. It doesn't mean you should step away. Red flags are just an indication that, hmm, I I might need to investigate more and see if this is something that I can deal with. Being on the phone like tension seeking She is seeking attention from you, something that she actually should already have for herself. Now, she's subletting her self-esteem with you, all right? So if you don't feel her quota of self-esteem, she's going to find attention somewhere else. Ask me how I know. So this is something that she can work on. It's, it's, it's unfortunately a buildup of anxiety. She doesn't feel like, you know, she's cared for, and so she seeks attention from you. It's, that's not something that is your responsibility to take care of. So, again, that's a red flag. Moving on. Narcissism. Women are just as narcissistic as men. Do not get that twisted. All right? So here are some warning signs that your girl may be a little narcissistic. She gets defensive when she is clearly in the wrong. She is closed-minded and will not entertain anything that you have to say. She's arrogant, ungrateful, doesn't say thank you, gives you the silent treatment, gives you an attitude when when you don't feel like you've done anything wrong, and her excuses are flimsy, okay? She's rude to you. She's rude to her family. She's rude to your family. And sometimes her friends. And you'd be looking like, Girl, Shorty, you are off you are off the chain. I need you to calm down. Yeah, you need to look at that. If she is doing that, she she probably has some narcissistic traits. Okay? She bashes your friends. Now, I don't know if you guys listen to the red flags for women, but it's the same concept. If she is trying to keep you all to herself, if she is trying to keep you from seeing family, friends, etc. That's a control thing, and that's something that she needs to get, you know, to think about on her own, okay? If she's always right, if she's always right, she can't be wrong. She, If you show her in her face, look, this is where you're wrong, that might be a, a cue that she has some narcissistic traits. Now, I'm always the person that will say sometimes you want to pick your battles and do you want to be right or do you want to have peace, but there's a line, if she's never wrong, that's a problem. Do you get what I'm saying, guys? Okay. Moving on. Low self-esteem. Trust issues. Does she have trust issues? Is she insecure? Does she get angry when you're with female friends or female family members or female coworkers? A little bit of jealousy is okay. All right? A little bit of jealousy is okay, you know, because you know, that's fine. That's but too much can ruin your relationship. Too much will have you, like, thinking she's a stalker. So you want to look for if she gets angry with your friends, your family, your coworkers, if she jumps to conclusions and then jumps off the deep end with them. These are things that you want to kind of look at and say, hmm, I don't know if we can make this through, okay? Moving on. Hung up on her ex. Does she bash men? Is she Does she have baby daddy issues? Now, that was an interesting one. You do definitely want to make sure that you kind of steer clear of those, because those can turn violent for you. Those can turn, you know, uh, future wrecking for you. So you want to make sure that whoever you choose has a decent – it doesn't have to be great, but a decent relationship. They're baby daddy. And I hate to say baby daddy, so, but it is what it is, Okay. And if they're jumping to conclusions based on their past relationship, like, oh, you did this just like such and such did this. Now, listen, if it is a red flag that you're doing and she jumps off, I I get it. But if it's not, if it's like you shut the door like he shut the door, no, that's too much. She's hung up on something, and she needs some time to think that out. All right? (sighs) And I love my sisters. Please don't understand. Girls, don't come for me in my comments. I love you. The drama queens, they're moody, aggressive, can have attitudes, loves to argue, can't, won't accept blame, won't apologize, overplays a situation. This is something that you want to kind of peep out from the beginning because, unfortunately, drama queens normally do not change, normally, it's going to take a life altering, whatever, in order for them to be like, "Hmm, I might need to quit that. (laughs) Okay. All right. Also testing you. If she tests you, I mean, of course, everybody's testing in the beginning of a relationship. I get that because you want to make sure that this is the right person for you. But once you kind of accomplish those tests, she should still not be testing you, leading you on, ch- checking to see what your response is and stuff. That means that she doesn't trust you. And if she's testing you like that, you guys need to have a serious conversation, okay? <laughs> now, guys, you're not going to like this one, but I'm going to say it. If she uses you to cheat, if she uses you to cheat or if you were ever a side dude, She's going to stay with you during the honeymoon phase, and I don't know if you guys understand what the honeymoon phase is. That's when everything is beautiful, wonderful. You love, you eating each other, eating off of each other's plates, you know, <laughs> playing with her hair. Everything is beautiful, wonderful, lovely. When the honeymoon period is over and real life steps in, she might be continuing to look for the next Mr. Right, because some people are hooked on the honeymoon phase, which It's understandable because, you know, it's so great, but it's not real love. That's not a real relationship. That's just the infatuation piece of it, and you don't want to get stuck there, okay? A person that's dishonest, that's a red flag for sure. If you catch her in the little lies, if you catch her in the little lies, she is going to crown the huge ones later on in a relationship. So be clear if you do catch her and she doesn't apologize for sure if she doesn't apologize, but if she apologizes, but continues to do it again, you're going to deal with some major issues later on in life. Okay. Especially in that relationship. So definitely be clear about that. All right. So I'm going to go move on to one of the bigger, I call this big picture issues. This is, you are trying to actually settle down and have a wife. These are some red flags that you've got to look for when you are getting serious about someone in your life, okay? So for women, can't hold down a job, whatever the situation may be. She might have issues with childcare. She might have issues with transportation. Whatever it is, she can't seem to hold down anything for longer than six months to a year. That's an issue, and it's a real one. In today's economy, it's almost granted, especially now after COVID, because businesses have lost so much money, prices are going up. They're going up. It's it's almost, unless you are balling, it's almost a necessity that your girl have a job. And if she can't hold down a job for whatever reason, that's something that you want to think about in the long run, in the interim, Okay is not financially responsible, that's a huge one, because she will take the money that you are making and throw that down the toilet. The, the number one thing is gambling. You want to make sure that you that gambling is, is a huge one. If they're responsible with it, that's fine. Um, but if they're not, if they have lost, like, house payments, that's something you want to check into. If they're shopping all the time, if they have major credit cards, if they don't pay their bills, if they don't even have a checking account, this is something you want to think about if you are looking at this person as a wife, all right? Kids, and the kids aren't kept. And when I mean my kept, they're not dressed well. They look crazy. <laughs> they're not bathed. That's the thing, okay? Or they're not with them. They're with grandma or sister or whomever all the time. And how they act with their kids, that's that. that I know guys get annoyed with this, but it's important that you listen. So you call your girl on the phone, and she's talking to her kid. You want to listen to that conversation, and I'm going to tell you why. Listen to how she talks to them, because how she talks to them is eventually how she's going to talk to you. Is she talking to them with love and understanding? If she has to correct them, is she correcting them in a way that's abusive and name-calling, or is she correcting them with love and understanding? That's something that you really want to look at, because the way she talks to them, She's gonna to talk to you the same way. Just putting that out there. And here's another thing that I want to put this out there because it's a pet peeve of mine. If she talks to them crazy, but does not talk to you crazy, that's a that's a red flag because she's gonna put you over those kids all the time. And if you guys have a kid together, can you imagine what would happen? Just putting that out there. All right, so I'm running out of time. So let me make let me hurry this up. This, is a, this was crazy. I did not think for a moment because I, I am an avid reader but does not read. And let me be, let me be clear, reading is not the only way that this, is, that this is a red flag. So it says does not read. She does not work on herself. She does not listen to YouTube. She doesn't listen to lectures. She doesn't attend it, church. I, I mean, and I'm just saying, using these, she doesn't have to do all of these, but she has to do something that's working on herself. If she's not trying to grow, if she's not trying to get better, then that's important to think about, okay? And, of course, the last one, hygiene. Homegirl has to have proper hygiene. It's important, okay? If her house is a mess, if if she's a mess, if she smells, if she's not healthy, your sex life is not going to be healthy. So keep that into consideration. So we're almost on the last minute. I want to go ahead and wrap that one up and give you your affirmation. So Every day Love comes to me in abundance Every day Love comes to me in abundance And thank you for listening to me On the Bachelor News Radio Network Sometimes we